0: Great to be together for the two thirty service as we 're exploring the whole series on being a champion for god 's kingdom. How many champions we got here today? All right and particularly today we 're looking at the topic of exercising spiritual gifts or growing in spiritual gifts and my hope and desire today is that after today that there'll be something within you that'll be inspired and challenged to be a champion of the spiritual gifts how many want to be a champion of the spiritual gifts amen that's where we're going with today because this is so important because I believe this is part of Jesus's dream for his body that his body would be a body that flows in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's God's dream for us today. And I was, uh, as I was reflecting on this message this afternoon, I was um, just thinking about some of my background and kind of my first exposure to ministry in the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I, when I was young, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. I was raised in a Christian family, very blessed in that and I remember when my, my parents uh, said to my sister and I said that uh, we're about to, to leave Peterborough, which is uh, where I was born. We were leaving Peterborough and we were leaving to Kansas City to the States. How many know that's a bit of a long ways? It's a little bit further than a few miles away. And so we took off to the, to the States in Kansas City and really my experience there was really my first exposure to what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about. I learned something about Christianity, that, uh, about the gifts of the Spirit, that they were exciting and also they were real. How many know the gifts of the Spirit are real? And I remember being so wowed by how God could take just simple people and he could use them and speak such amazing revelation to them about somebody else, to serve someone else, and to, to prophesy over somebody else, to give them a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. I was just wowed by that whole thing. I was only an early teenager at that time in Kansas City. In the, in the early 90s, it was regarded as quite a hothouse for the gifts of the Spirit, in particular the gift of prophecy. And some of you may have heard of the Kansas City Prophets, that um, there are books that have been written about what God was doing during the late 80s and the 90s. Uh, in, even in, in the whole area of worship. Um, worship was a, a very much of a hot place in Kansas City at that time, and all kinds of incredible songs were being written that were going around the world, like Show Your Power. How many remember that song? Show Your Power, He is the Lord. Songs like uh, Lord, Let Your Glory Fall in This Room, Let It Go Forth From Here to the Nations. Well, those were all written um, in Kansas City during the early 90s. But for me as an early teenager who didn't really know much, I was wowed by this whole prophetic activity of going to some of these conferences with thousands and thousands of people downtown Kansas City. And and these prophets would come to town and, and they would be probably hidden away for maybe two or three days seeking the Lord. And they would come and they would minister. In fact, I remember a particular minister who would come and he would uh, speak. He would preach for maybe 45 minutes, uh, an hour, preach for quite a long time. And then all of a sudden, he would let rip, and he would start to prophesy over people's life. And he would start to prophesy over people he never knew, but he had seen them in the hotel room or wherever he was staying. And he would ask that person to stand up. He would say who what their name was. He didn't have any idea who they were. He'd prophesy over them and talk. Even sometimes give maybe house numbers or the street name of where they were. How I many you know that's a bit spooky, isn't it? And, uh, and he would prophesy over their life, their background, and where they were going. And what I learned as an early teenager is that the gifts of the Spirit are very real. And that the gifts of the Spirit are used to edify the body of Christ. How many know that's so true? They're used to edify the body of Christ, and of course they are used for, for witness. And so my journey, and that was my first exposure as an early teenager. And some of you will have your own experiences of how God uh, showed you how, how key the gifts of the Spirit are. Now, today I realize that for, for many of us, some of us may be those who have used, uh, been used in the gifts of the Spirit. Some of us may not have much experience in that area. Some of you may not even have a genuine desire for the gifts of the Spirit. But my prayer for you today is that after today, there will be something that will be kindled in you, amen, for the gifts of the Spirit, whatever they may be. And what I want us to, to understand is from the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, from the birth of the early church, that every convert, every believer was expected to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every believer was expected to speak in tongues. Amen? Every believer was expected to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were expected to experience the supernatural right from the start. And when we read through the book of Acts, we see there were so many, uh, so much spiritual phenomena, there was miracles and healing, so many different gifts flowing, but what I want us to understand is that the first Christians and the early church were not strangers to the supernatural. Let me tell you that if you are newly saved here and you haven't been saved that long, that you can flow in the supernatural, amen? You can be one that experiences that right at the beginning. Hebrews 2.4 says this, God himself testified to the validity of the gospel message by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You see, in the early church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the gateway to another realm, to the supernatural. And so what does that mean for us today? It means this, that, If you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, sometimes the danger is, is that we feel like we've arrived. If you're someone here today who is baptized in the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, that's wonderful, but sometimes we may stop there and think that somehow we've arrived. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the gateway to the supernatural. The baptism of the Holy Spirit just just doesn't just end there, that speaking tongues is wonderful, but God wants us to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's where God wants to take us. It's a gateway into the supernatural life. And so God's will is that for all of us, that after baptism of the Holy Spirit, after we've spoken in tongues, that we will be those who exercise the spiritual gifts. Amen. And so if you're someone who is, exercising the spiritual gifts in your life, you're in a healthy place. 1 Corinthians 12, maybe you want to write that down, makes it clear that these gifts are not just gifts. They are supernatural gifts. These gifts come from the Holy Spirit himself. Man didn't come up with this idea that we're supposed to have gifts in the church. God came up with this idea. They are supernatural. That means that there's no limit to what God can do through the gifts. Amen. There's no limit to, to whom God can actually give these gifts to. They can be exercised by, by, by weak people, by strong people. They can be exercised by perhaps poor people or rich or educated or illiterate, both young and old. One of the things that I was profoundly uh, touched by when I was in, in the States, in Kansas City, was how God used children in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and... Uh, and how God got a hold of youth. In fact, there was a, there was a school in Kansas City that, that experienced a move of the Spirit where all the classes stopped because God came and invaded the classrooms. I mean, that's powerful, isn't it? It's kind of like a, a, teenage, a teenager's dream. But, uh, but God came and he ministered through the gifts of the Spirit. God can minister through young and old and even kids. And so Paul the Apostle who wrote most of the New Testament in in the Corinthians, he addresses the church about these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.4. Maybe you want to go there with me. 1 Corinthians 12.4. It says this, that there are different gifts, but the same spirit. The Greek word here is charismata. It means comes from the word charis, which means grace. And so they are gifts that have been given because of God's grace. That's why sometimes we call the spiritual gifts grace gifts. And so it's important for us to understand that we can't earn these gifts. They don't come by any kind of human merit of our own. It's just like our salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Amen? The Bible says that you have been saved by grace. By grace you have been saved. And so they're not given because of any kind of sense of our own righteousness or our own holiness. See, the Corinthian church were a church that were flowing in all kinds of different gifts of the Spirit. I mean, it was all happening. Many gifts of the Spirit that were unleashed upon the church were happening. But they weren't flowing in the gifts because they had earned them or they were kind of specially holy in any way. In fact, Paul actually calls them worldly because of all the stuff that was going on in the church. There was jealousy, there was rivalry, there was uh, fighting and immorality, even drunkenness at the Lord's table. I mean, how bad can it get? The Corinthian church had many problems. There was difficulties. There had divisions, arguments. There were lawsuits, whatever, that they were were taken against each other. There was confusion about the different church sacraments. So, so of course, we're not called here to to follow their example, God forbid. But what it shows us is that spiritual gifts are are not given because of any human merit. And the amazing truth is, is that the Holy Spirit was moving through the gifts despite all of this stuff that was still happening. And so the reason Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the gifts was because they were using the gifts badly. What do I mean? Well, some of them thought that they were more important than others because they had maybe perhaps some very spectacular gifts. Uh, some were, they were giving more attention to, if you like, the spiritual superstars, and some gifts were, given, were being giving more value than others. And so they failed to recognize the importance of some of the smaller gifts, or in fact, some of the gifts that we might say that were not as visible. Also, they were using the gifts for their own personal edification instead of the edification of others. And so Paul comes along to the church and he says, you've got it all wrong. The-, the gifts are not supposed to be trophies that you just hold out for everybody to see on display. The gifts have been given to serve others. Amen. The gifts have been distributed to to serve others. And so Paul the Apostle, he had to help them understand the purpose of the gifts and how to use them properly. And the major purpose, as we read through the New Testament, is for the edification of the church. It's for the common good to benefit the body of Christ. The same could maybe apply to us today. Nothing has changed. The danger of today is that sometimes we can elevate the gifts and we can elevate perhaps maybe a few superstars and exalt uh, other people because of their gifts. But how many know that today what Jesus' dream is to raise up not just a few, but to raise up his whole body in the gifts of the Spirit? Amen? That's Jesus' dream for us. And so it's time for for body ministry. Christianity is not some kind of spectator sport. It's for participators. We're all meant to be involved. Spiritual gifts are a vital part of New Testament Christianity. And so they are important for edifying. They're important for witness. And so every one of us has been called to edify. Say the word edify. Edify. The word edify means to build up. It means to, to help. It means to support. Tell the person next to you, you are someone who needs to edify. You're there to help, to support, to build up. That's what we all have in common here this afternoon, here in this body. And understanding that could perhaps maybe revolutionize the way that you view church today. Perhaps revolutionize the way that you see yourself in the church. You are here to edify. Every one of us is called to build up the church. You're not here just to to sit around or just to to fill a seat. We are here to be involved in the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 11, great scripture says, spiritual gifts were imparted to make them strong. They were imparted to make them strong. The Holy Spirit has has given all kinds of uh, people different gifts. God has released to us wonderful gifts. Turn to the person next to you and encourage them and say, you are gifted. Tell them again in case they didn't believe you. Each of us is gifted. Listen to God's words of how you are gifted from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What does that mean? It means, in other words, there was nobody in the Corinthian church that could say that they hadn't received a spiritual gift to use to serve others. Nobody could say that they hadn't received a gift from the Holy Spirit. Each of them had at least one gift for the common good of all. The same is true today. 1 Peter 4.10, maybe write that down if you like and look at it another time, but it says this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Romans 12.6, Paul declared, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then as we just read from 1 Corinthians 12, there's a gift of wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, and so on. Nine different gifts that he wants us to operate in. And so maybe you're here today and maybe the Lord has gifted you with a gift of encouragement. Maybe you're here and the Holy Spirit's given you a gift to contribute to the needs of others or maybe to show mercy or whatever it is. And so whether it's someone who does a lot of things or perhaps it's someone who doesn't do so much and it's kind of in the hidden and no one sees, everyone is important. And so the point is, is that you are gifted. Every one of us in this room, if you are saved, you are gifted. And so whether they are speaking gifts whether they are service gifts or whether they are sign gifts, like here is miracles, healings, all those kind of things, the truth is is that you are something special. God has made you unique. God has got something for you to contribute to serving others. In the New Testament, there are around about 25 to 30 different, different gifts. And so when Paul speaks to the Corinthians, this is more like a celebration of how God has made every single person unique in the body of Christ. And this is what I want to encourage all of us today is this, is that every one of us, if we are to be those who are fulfilled in our Christian walk, how many want to be fulfilled in your Christian walk? If you want to experience fulfillment in your Christian ministry or your Christian walk, first of all, you have to recognize your gifts. You need to discover your gifts. You need to then secondly develop your gifts. And thirdly, to exercise your gifts. But maybe you're, you're here today and inside you're, you're thinking that you, you have no idea what spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. Let me ask you a question here today. Have you ever done something for others that made you feel so good that you wanted to do it again? Anybody in that boat? Okay. Well, perhaps, sometimes that might be a gift that the Holy Spirit has given you. What has the Holy Spirit made you passionate about? What has the Holy Spirit made you perhaps concerned about? What is the Holy Spirit? What what gets gets deep into your inner being? What makes you so excited that you you can't wait until you see it become a reality? See, God has made you and designed you, every one of us, to be able to contribute to serve the body of Christ. There's a parable called the parable of the the spilled coffee. And uh, in case you you think it's in the Gospels, it's not there. This wasn't one of Jesus' parables. But the story goes, a Bible study group met in a home to study how various ministries uh, should work in the body of Christ. One member commented, I don't understand how different gifts can work together. And that moment, a woman accidentally dropped her cup of coffee, sounds like what I did last week, which broke and spilled coffee all over the floor. And each group member responded differently to the situation according to their spiritual gifts. And here comes the teacher, and he gave some advice. He says, well, next time, if you would just put your cup on the coffee table, that won't happen again. The administrator responded by organizing a cleanup committee said, Bill, please go find a mop. Sally, could you go and find a towel? Bill, who had the gift of service, hurried to go get the mop. Sally, who had the gift of helps, followed Bill and said, I'd I'd like to help you. The person with the gift of encouragement said, we all make mistakes, so don't let it get you down. The person with the gift of mercy put her arm around the woman, patted her hand and, and said, I feel so badly for you. And then finally, the person with the gift Of giving exclaimed, I would like to buy a new set of coffee mugs to replace the broken one. Ah, isn't that wonderful? I know this is an illustration, but what it shows us is that all of them use their various gifts together to resolve the situation. The, The gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given so that we can all work effectively as a team together. Amen. No one of us, no, not one of us can actually function on our own. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit around us. Nobody has all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Have you met anybody like that yet? Okay, that's good. We all need one another in the body of Christ to function. But maybe you're, you're here today and you, you feel like you haven't got anything to contribute. Maybe you've looked around and you've seen how the wonderful way and how everybody serves and inside you thought, you know what, they're doing such a good job. I'm just going to leave them to it. It's not really for me. I heard this story about a well-known conductor who was holding a rehearsal one night with a many array of musicians and a hundred voice choir. And while the mighty chorus sang out, the horns blared and the cymbals were clashing. And sitting far back in the orchestra the piccolo player thought to herself with all these loud instruments it doesn't matter what i do they don't need me and so she stopped playing suddenly the the conductor stopped the music and looked right at the piccolo player and said it doesn't sound right without you if you don't play the concert's off we need you you see god has made every one of us unique to serve and to build up the body of christ i wonder what It would be like if the different parts of our physical bodies sometimes, you know, behave like some of us sometimes. In other words, the the heart might say, well, you know, I'm just stuck in a rut. For all these many years, all I do is beat, 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 and thump, 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 and I'm tired of it. It's time for someone else to step up and do this job. Okay, feet, it's up to you. You pump the blood. And the lungs could say, well, we are so underappreciated around here. I do not think the other organs realize that we couldn't, they couldn't do their jobs without us. If we quit doing our jobs for a few minutes, everyone will finally see how valuable we are to this place. The brain thinks he's big stuff. Well, we'll let him do some without some oxygen for a while and we'll see how important he is. Then the liver might say, why do I get all the dirty work all the time? Do you think it's fun making bile? I have been in this body all these years, and do you think anyone has ever asked me to make any big decisions or pump any blood or or perform any functions that are noticeable outside the body? Sometimes I, I wonder why I bother. And then it comes along the appendix. Just watch the rest of those organs work. Day after day, hour after hour, they work themselves to death. I'm just along for the ride. Why contribute when I can just sit here and get the same nutrients and oxygen that they get? Why get involved? Paul the Apostle sometimes draws a picture about the human body and how significant it is in comparing to how the body of Christ works. But you get the idea from this illustration. The point is is that the individual parts that make up our bodies were created for specific tasks and functions. God created this this way. The body is, is built to, to be like a finely tuned machine. When all the parts do what they were created to do. There are no unimportant parts. I guess for us, we need to come to the place where we say, let's make sure that we're not an appendix in the church. Where we're not using what we have. Unfortunately, some of us maybe, because maybe we've been in ministry for some times, we lose the sense of privilege of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us and we sometimes ignore them and disregard them when we lay our gift down. So if we use the the human body as an example today, on the human body, the hands, the mouth, the the eyes may all be noticeable. But on the inside, of course, of our bodies, I studied a little bit of you know, body stuff a few years ago before I was in the ministry. And, but inside our bodies, there are some glands and there are some organs that no one can ever see. But if, you, if there, any of them stop functioning, the whole body suffers as a result. It's the same that goes within the church. Some of us have received uh, very visible gifts. Others use gifts that may, may, many people may not ever see. However, if anyone stops using their gifts for the glory of God, the whole body of Christ suffers as a result. All of the parts of the body are different. Every one of us have received certain skills from the Holy Spirit, but all are important. That's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. Moving on here today, many of us would probably agree that, that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Put your hand up if you believe that. We're at a Pentecostal church that, of course, makes room for the gifts of the Holy Spirit here at KT. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Some of us may even have books on the gifts of the Spirit on our bookshelves, but the Scripture says that we must earnestly desire them. We must earnestly desire them. What does that mean? Sometimes... Our challenge today is not necessarily that we don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. It's that we don't earnestly desire them. It's not enough necessarily to just believe in them. We are to desire them. It means not just maybe desire them after the back of a Christian conference or reading a certain book or coming from a really great meeting or flowing in the gifts of the Spirit or even having that attitude that, you know, we're just waiting for these gifts to come our way so we can function in them it says we are to desire them sometimes we we may pray and we may fast for for an increase of the gifts more and we pray for increased manifest uh, uh, presence of the holy spirit and that's one way to do it but it's not enough we have to start practically applying ourselves with the gifts of the spirit there's a a saying that the secret to getting started is rolling up your own shirt sleeves we have to pursue the gifts actively we have to roll up our sleeves as it were we we have to exercise those gifts they're not meant to be gifts that just you know fall to the wayside and they're never used if you're a sportsman here today Or maybe even if you're a musician, you will know that you may have a gift, but unless you invest in that gift and spend time in practicing and learning how to use that gift, you are not going to raise your game. You're not going to move any further. In fact, New Testament writers seem to, to use the example of athletic training quite often. Paul the Apostle did this. It must have been a popular illustration back then. But using that example, consider an athlete's preparation that he goes through for competition consider some of the stretches that he has to do sometimes pushing himself to the very limits so that he would actually perform in his gift in a good way so after finding your gift you must exercise it likewise with the gifts we can apply this what practically what are some of the ways that we can exercise our gifts we can learn about it we can read about it we can we can ask questions To those who are already doing and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And then ultimately we can exercise them and start stepping out and trying them out ourselves. If you want to learn to flow in your gift, then you must find room and space to be able to practice it. After all, it's only in the practice of your gift that you will learn how to use it. So when it comes to our gifts, sometimes some of us might say, Oh, well, you know, I'll step out and start to offer my gifts when the Spirit's really moving. You know, when the spirit is moving and there's such a wonderful atmosphere and all kinds of things are breaking out, that's when I'm gonna start stepping out on my gifts. But I think sometimes God says, no, let's, let's turn it around the other way. Let's, let's, how about using your gifts when there's seemingly not a lot taking place? When there's not much happening and there's maybe just a gentle breeze, there's not really much going on around us. Let's see how faithful you are in the small things and then we'll see how we can prosper you in in more things to come. The posture of our heart when it comes to exercise and the gifts must be this you know, saying, Lord, what are you doing now? In your workplace, in your college, wherever God has placed you. Lord, what are you doing now? Lord, how can I serve you now? Holy Spirit, how are you prompting me now? I want to serve you now. It means having an eye open to see the need around us. Not just for maybe a season or a week or a month, but consistently. It means we are practically saying, Lord, I'm making time for you to use me. Amen? I'm making time to use my gifts that you have given me. See, possibly the reason sometimes we don't flow as much in the gifts of the Spirit is because we don't desire them in the true biblical sense. It's not enough just to desire them for a few days or just to pray about them. We must exercise them if we're going to to move in these gifts. You may be someone today that you feel like you've got a healing gift or maybe someone spoke a prophetic word over you that you're going to flow in the gift of healing. And that's wonderful, but unless you are praying for the sick, you're not going to grow and mature in that gift. Amen? If God's given you a gift, then you must learn to step out in that gift this whole series about, is about being champions in the kingdom of God. Being champions of the spiritual gifts. How do I become a champion of the spiritual gifts? I must exercise the spiritual gifts. Some of you may be familiar with the ministry of, of John Wimber. And John Wimber had a, a, a very a dynamic healing ministry in the, the Western world for, for maybe 15, 20 years. And he had large conferences of thousands of people all over the Western world, and many people healed, and many leaders would would, would go and get trained with him for about 10 days, and then they would return back to their local places, and they would see healings break out. John Wimber went to be with the Lord about 1997, and I found his journey quite interesting as we look at the exercise in these spiritual gifts. Uh, A friend of my family had the the opportunity to travel with John Wimber for for, uh, for a number of years. And um, during that time, was able to ask him all kinds of different questions as he was going from one place to the other. And, and he used to ask him questions like, you know, so John, how did you get into the healing ministry? Did you go to a healing meeting? And John's response would be, no, never went to a healing service. Okay, well, how, how did, you, did you get a, did you read a book on healing? You know, my favorite is Maybe I don't know Smith Wigglesworth or John G Lake or someone or John G. G Jeffries or Stephen Jeffries. Uh, and his response was, "No, I never heard of John G Lake, never heard of some of these guys that you're talking about." And they were really like, "Oh, okay, well, well, he's, these are some of the, the main guys, and uh, you know there are countless books on their healing ministry. Maybe you should should read read one." And John Wimber's response was, "No, not don't, not really interested in reading some of those books." And so eventually he would ask him, Well, so how did you get into the healing ministry? And John Wimber res- responded, saying, Well, I read the Bible. You know that one book. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over again. And see, as a result, John started to pray for the sick. He'd never seen healing, he had never heard anyone teaching on it, he'd never witnessed a healing. With his own eyes, he just read the gospels over and over and over, and he was famous for saying things like, You know, I just want to do the stuff. Referring to Jesus' ministry. And so John is what's amazing about how he started is that John taught on healing every Sunday, fifty-two weeks a year, for two years. He preached a hundred sermons on healing and never saw one healing. For two years. And people in his church were getting angry. <laughs> Every time they came to a service, he was talking about healing. People started to leave the church saying, you know, is this all we're going to hear at this church? It's about healing. After all, nobody was getting healed. And so people got angry because things weren't happening. John would call people in the congregation Prayed for the sick every week and no one ever got healed. In fact, it's said that the only thing that consistently happened uh, when he prayed for the sick is he got the disease of the person he was praying for. (laughs) Someone had the flu, he would go to their house and pray for, for someone with flu, he would get the flu. Someone maybe had bad headaches or someone had a cold, he'd go pray for them, he would get bad headaches and a cold. I don't know what that's all about, but anyway he would pray for them and wasn't seeing any results. One of the funny jokes that apparently he used was he was scared to death to pray for a pregnant woman. (laughs) But see, normally someone probably likely would have quit by now. Saying this doesn't work. I haven't received this gift. It's obviously something that's not happening for me. And it's a miracle that he didn't quit, really. But see, John had to see healing. The Holy Spirit had put something in his heart to see healing in the body of Christ. It was a gift, in other words, that was growing. It was a gift that was persevering. And then finally one Sunday, he, he called people just like he normally did forward and, and they saw their first healing. And then all of a sudden after that healing, they started to see blind eyes open, deaf ears open, and started seeing people heal, uh, healed from all kinds of different diseases We might say that the the, the legacy, and there are many others, of course, and we know here in this house our own senior minister you know, particularly works in the gift of healing and our associate minister here, Bruce. And there are many others that have have operated in the gifts of of the spirit and the gift of healing in history, in church history. But the legacy of John Wimber was his faithfulness perhaps for that two years where he seemingly wasn't seeing anything happen. And from what I hear, John Wimble's attitude was he would rather see one out of a hundred people healed rather than zero out of zero. He wasn't trying to just kind of keep his average up. He would pray for thousands of people a week. There are gifts within you that are yet to be manifested. There are gifts within each one of you that are yet to be exercised. Jesus' dream for his body and particularly for your life is that you will step into the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. Some of you don't know what those gifts are, but my encouragement to you is to open up your heart wide and ask the Holy Spirit to show you, amen, what gifts have been given. Pete, Peter, if you can come and play in kids, that would be great. See, the emphasis with the, the spiritual gifts is not that they serve ourselves, they are for others, amen. A life that's withdrawn from serving others, well, you know, it, it loses its meaning. It will start to decay. And my prayer for every one of us, including myself, that something will be a reawakened in us. Something will be ignited for the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? God wants Kensington Temple to be a full body that flows in the gifts of the Spirit. Healing, wisdom, knowledge, all these different gifts are to be unleashed. Amen? This is where Jesus sees his body going in the future. He wants his body to be full of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6. It's a wonderful scripture. It says this, fan into flame the gift that God gave you. You see, Paul's concern for Timothy was that he perhaps could neglect his gifts. He might get involved with the ministry and do many things, but he would neglect his gifts and not exercise the ones that the Holy Spirit had given him. My encouragement to us today is do not neglect your gift. Fan into flame the gift of God today. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to fan in that gift today, to fan that gift of God back into flame today. Maybe you're here and... You've retreated to a very kind of safe, maybe comfortable, but very predictable, born Christian life. Maybe you've taken a knock or two. Maybe you've, you you've you, you got hurt. You stepped out. You got knocked down. But you see, this series is about becoming a champion of the spiritual gifts. How do you become a champion? A champion is someone who can take a, a few knocks or two. But he doesn't stay down. He gets back up. Amen. God wants us to to be champions of the gifts of the Spirit. You may be uh, disappointed, you may have experienced all kinds of different things, but God wants to reawaken that gift in you today. Please stand with me together. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. God hasn't changed, He's still working, He's still moving. And our attitude must be this today: God, I want to serve your purposes. I want to be on board what you're doing in your church. One John 2:20 says this, "You have an anointing from the Holy One. He remains with you, and He will teach you all things. Isn't that fantastic? What does that mean? The same Holy Spirit has, who has distributed your gifts is the same Holy Spirit who wants to train you and mentor you and help you flow in these gifts. Suppose I received a, a wonderful gift one day and, and uh, it turned up on my drive. Well, Let's say it was a, an Austin Martin or something. Amen. Well, maybe it was a yacht, whatever it was. And I received this gift and I was really excited about this gift and I was waiting for it for a long time and then but the problem was is I didn't have a manual instructions to know how to work it. I'd be in a little bit of a situation, wouldn't I? But the wonderful truth is that the Holy Spirit wants to train us. Wants to help us. Wants to instruct us and teach us how to flow in these gifts because we can't do it on our own. He's not left us to our own devices. Amen. Sometimes I think we, we live our lives as if the Holy Spirit is some kind of force or a thing rather than a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He wants to be your mentor. He wants to be your coach. He wants to be your director. He wants to help you. He wants to train you. Are we aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are we conscious of the Holy Spirit? Are we making room for the Holy Spirit in our life? In your workplace where God has positioned you, are you conscious? Are you aware? Are you listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to step out in the gift of healing or the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom, whatever it might be? God can use you in that workplace to be an effective witness through the gifts of the Spirit. Are you aware of the promptings? May something happen to our ears today, amen, that we would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. How many want ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? Let's open ourselves to the Holy Spirit right now, just for a few moments. Say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Holy Spirit, I'm making room for you. Teach me. Speak to me. Help me. I'm available. There may be one or two people here who... who, somehow maybe in your church experience may not been here at KT where you got hurt you got hurt you stepped out but you got hurt you got disappointed the Holy Spirit would reignite that flame within you today he'd reignite something in you today the disappointment's gone the disappointment goes away now there's a fresh future for you to embrace Holy Spirit wants to come afresh on you, wants to enable you and empower you. Father, I pray for that person that you come upon them. You pour out your spirit upon them, that you would reawaken them. Father, I pray for hope to come back to them today instead of hopelessness. For every one of us here today, Lord, I pray for ears to hear and eyes to see. Minds that are open. The Holy Spirit is looking for a place to land his fleet. He's looking for an open place. Are you open to the Holy Spirit today? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and do what you want with us. Shape us. Help us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen.